0: Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel. In today's video, I am going to be doing part two of my Infertility Journey series. And in today's episode, we're gonna talk about starting over in relationships, getting married, and then learning about some news that no woman wants to hear. So tune in. I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapists Deserve Abundance Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to part two of my infertility series. And the topic of today's chit chat with me is you desire a child, You realize that you don't really know what's going on with your body. You need to start over. And find somebody to have a child with, but also live a happy life. All right. So, um, if you haven't had a chance to check out part one, I would highly encourage you to do that just so that you can follow along. But let's go ahead and dive in. And so, once I left off on chapter one, I had said that I got divorced and all these things. And so, I had spent four years in the dating process. Um, when I got divorced, I was living back in Los Angeles. I was in the process of buying a home and I had just got my first job. As as a pre-licensed psychologist working in the jail system for the LA County Department of Mental Health. And so to be honest, a lot of my mindset and, and drive was focused on passing the licensing exam, right? So even though internally I still had baby fever, I was also working with having a job studying, getting licensed and also dealing with some ups and downs, um, clearly in that marriage. Right. So when I got the divorce, it was not a smooth situation. It was a, I'm going to say on a scale of one to 10, like a seven in terms of a nasty divorce, in terms of just communication between me and that individual. And that can take a toll, ladies or men, on your self-esteem, on your confidence, and just how you see yourself. And so from time to time, I would feel, to be honest, less than. I would feel like how could someone who once cared and loved for you could talk to you in a particular type of way? So it was just a lot of things going on personally at the same time of me choosing to show up as a psychologist. And I say choosing to, because I chose to go into the profession. And so I really had to get my own self help at the time so that I can properly process what was going on with me. And most importantly, allow myself to grieve. And so with the grieving process came for me, my coping mechanism was allowing myself to cry. Um, when I would drive to work or carpool to work, I was crying in the car to the point where my supervisor knew what was going on. And then she would just, you know, say, just cry in a car and come into jail, <laughs> you know, when you're ready. I definitely understand and Come straight to my office and just do a check-in, you know, cause she had been through a similar situation. Um, uh, but nevertheless, I was just focused on work at that time. So to speed things up, I have moved into the home by myself. Uh, My mom was a co-signer on the home um, just so that I can keep the home. And after kind of getting, I'm going to say, used to my job and then also teaching at like three different institutions, your girl was a born-bred hustler. I started like getting out there and just meeting people. Now, let's be clear. I don't like dating. I didn't know how to date. If you really think about my timeline, I was with somebody at 19, going into 20. And so I don't know how to date as a grown woman. And then also now I got to deal with dating and telling people what I do for a living. And the reason why I got a sour face, like, oh my, a sour facial expression is because it got to the point where people would have to figure out what I did based off my voicemail. Back then I didn't have a separated voicemail. So when somebody leave me a voicemail, it would say, Hey, you've reached Dr. Jackson. Um, if this is a psychiatric emergency down 911. And so sometimes I would go out with my friends. I would go to clubs or lounges and meet people. And it got to the point where one guy, I remember he was like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, Oh, I work with kids. Oh, what kind of kids? You know, emotionally disturbed kids. Like, you know, we would have a chit chat and they'd be like, Oh, you know, I work with those kids too. Like in group homes back in my day. And then it got to the point where men were asking me like 20 questions before they would really figure out what I did. And some men never figured it out. One guy in particular found out because he did call my voicemail. And then guess what? When I texted him because I saw that he called him like, yo, like wh- what's going on? Like I saw that you called or whatever, but I didn't get a no voicemail. And he was like, oh, you a psychologist? You a shrink I was like, I'm a psychologist and he was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I ain't trying to have somebody read my head all the time. And I'm like, who the hell want to read you? You know what I'm saying? And so I said, if this is the way that dating goes, your girl is about to shut the shit down. Okay. And so I still kind of met people, but I started to walk into my own self. I started to stand on my own two feet in terms of my confidence. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I know I'm hot you know, I'm saying, I know I got a lot to offer. I also want a man that can wear the pants just because I make a lot of money. Doesn't mean that I don't want you to stand up and be a man. Okay. I still want to have some level of of tradition, right? But at the same time, the people that I was running into, I'm not going to generalize all men, but the individuals that I was running into were threatened by my success. Some of them outright said it. You know, and so I was like, yo, this is trash. And so what ended up happening is around the fourth year, because your girl knew she was marriage material. I am not the girl just to date. I want to be single for the rest of my life. I know that God told me that I'm marriage material and that I'm mother material. Okay. So speed things up. I go to a birthday party for one of my best friends first, uh, you know, her, uh, dude or whatever, which is now her husband. They've been together for like 15, 16 years at this point um, now, but they were together like what, uh, nine to 10 years at that point. So we're there and this is how I met my now husband. So my husband is actually my best friend's husband's first cousin. So I feel like me and my best friends are now really cousins because we used to say that we were sisters and cousins while we grew up in high school. And so nevertheless, when we started dating, I was very clear. I'm not just looking for somebody to have a conversation with over the phone. So I did take it slow. I did play hard to get, meaning I'm not going to call you every day. I'm not going to text you every day. I'm not going to text you throughout the day and throughout the night. Your girl got a life. And let's be clear, I'm talking to other people. So he... Told me that he was attracted to that because I was the first person that was fully transparent and had nothing to hide. I'm like, I ain't got time to play games. To me, when we get serious, I feel like my attention will decrease with other people anyway. Therefore, I'll just stop talking to them. But I'm not about to put all my eggs in one basket in the beginning. Hello. So, you know, we were cool because I think he was he was dating somebody else too. So what ended up happening is we were spending a lot of time with one another, and then the other people kind of fell off, or we just caught it quits with those people. And so we started dating. He then literally asked me to be his girlfriend, like in the wood, made me a little letter. Like we like mushy stuff like that. So he also already had a child. And at the time the child was four. Now I'm not going to get into this. I will create a bonus mom series of how to be introduced to a person that you're dating their child and all that stuff. But I decided, and he also decided and agreed that I would not meet the child. Now, let me be clear because my best friend is already intertwined with the family. We have been around each other for a long time. And that's why I brought up that story because that did cause some, um, mother of his child drama later because there were assumptions made because this girl was my best friend that I was already around the child, which I was, but I wasn't like, I didn't go up to the kid and say, yo, I'm dating your dad. I would see them from afar. I wouldn't even go around the daddy, which was the guy that I was dating, which is not my husband. I wouldn't even go around him when he was with the child. Like no, I'm good. And so we became a couple. And then we started having conversations even before we were in a relationship in terms of, do I want to have children? Does he want to have more children? Um, how many children does he want to have compared to myself? Cause I have none. What is your goals? Um, what do you want to do in life? We were having mature conversations. So I felt like out of everyone that I dated, he was also a person that can hold it down with a conversation because a lot of people that I met during the dating process got so used to text messages that they didn't know how to have a conversation if we can be all the way 100 so pretty much we were dating we got into a relationship we did cohabitate things did move fast and i do want to say this because this came up in one of my mastermind um discussions at the pizza table um during our graduation because i like to just talk talk to my mastermind students okay they're like our vip clients So we were talking about some of them, like meeting a guy, getting married, wanting to have kids. And then the conversation came up around what's too soon. And then why do people have long ass engagements? And so my belief is as you start to mature, especially if you've been through a situation like mine, where you were with somebody for a whole decade of your life throughout your twenties for during the experimenting stage of your life, right? you know what you want. At least I hope you took the time to grieve the loss of a relationship and to find the new version of you in the in-between, which is why it took me four years so that when you do find someone, you know exactly what you need and you're not going to settle. You know exactly what you want, right? So I spent that four years Going through a depressive state, crying myself to sleep almost every night, feeling like I'm never going to have a child, feeling like I'm never going to get married. These are the thoughts that were running through my head, psychologists or not. I'm being all the way 100 as a woman, right? As a person who had to start over in her 30s, it did not feel like I was going to be successful. So I had to do a lot of mindset work. And when I started doing mindset work, that's when my confidence started to boost. And that's when I attracted the person that I'm with now. See how that works? So y'all getting therapy church right now. So um, what ended up happening after we were cohabitating and all those things is that he proposed. And, you know, it ain't like we weren't trying to get pregnant. I'll just keep it like that. But bottom line is I still never got pregnant. So something told me, actually, my mama told me <laughs> to go and get A physical because I had been complaining for that four year period, and it was happening even before then. I would get random sharp pains in my stomach, not my uterus, but in my stomach. It felt like somebody literally had a knife and was poking me, but it wasn't like penetrating through the skin. And it would happen to the point where I would fall on my stairs and I would like start crying for like a cool two to three minutes. It was painful. So during the time of us in a relationship and engaged, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather ended up getting diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he was already, I believe at the end of stage three, going into stage four, he didn't have that much time. He ended up going into a nursing home. He ended up passing away. Of course, with me complaining about stomach pain, my mom then started to get concerned. I'm her only child. She was like, yo, you need to go check this out. And she knew that I had never been pregnant. So she was like, go get it all checked out. You in your thirties, what do you waiting No. So again, carrying over from part one, go ask for help. So I went to the ultrasound. I had to get a a letter or referral from my primary care physician. And I guess they got the paperwork mixed up. So they only did an external ultrasound. So I'm waiting. I'm like, do I need to take off my pants? When you going to do the internal? And they were like, oh no, that's not on the referral. You need to get another one. So again, I'm like, this is some BS. Like, So I started to get more limiting beliefs in my mind, like maybe it ain't meant to be right now. You know, I I need to grieve the loss of my grandfather. And so a couple of months went by and we're getting closer to our wedding. Okay. Um, my grandfather passed away in September. Our wedding was that following May. So I chose to go and make another doctor's appointment, but it wasn't for the OBGYN. It was actually for my allergies. I had had a flare up of my throat closing because I'm allergic to certain classifications of peanuts, not all of them. And I had had to use an EpiPen like three times in like a year and a half. So that triggers your doctor to say, what are you eating? What's going on? Come in here and talk to the allergy doctor. So I went to the allergy doctor and you know how they usually give you a sheet of paper, like a chart, and they'll say something like, "Um, how do you feel? So it was on a scale of one to five. And I think that she was reading my body language clearly because I wanted to say that I wasn't feeling that great because in the back of my mind, I knew that I was still having issues with the motherhood stuff, but I didn't know if I should be worried about it because I'm getting married and maybe I should wait until then to like talk about it and so she read my body language because I said oh I'm a four I'm good and she was like are you sure and I'm like no you know it's kind of like she was doing therapy so I didn't realize that I could talk to her about it because of my mind I told her I actually told her like I don't know if I should tell you because you're the allergy doctor and I I really feel like I should be talking to my OBGYN but I haven't had the best of luck with like situations over there. So she said, "Well, tell me. I got friends in OBGYN." So I told her a summary of what I, you know, what happened to me at the first part of the infertility doctor, and she said, "I'm going to refer you to my friend, Ginger. She's a OBGYN. She's in the same hospital, and she'll take care of you." So that started a chain of events where I went to the OBGYN, she did the ultrasound, and then I got two phone calls. It's not ever good, ladies, when you get a phone call from the doctor. Okay? So I was waiting on my results in the portal. Nothing ever happened. Okay. So I got the phone call and they called out of order. So the first phone call, the guy thought that somebody had already called me. He was like, so when do you want to schedule your surgery? I said, I'm sorry. Surgery for what? This is around March. And I'm getting chills right now because once you hear the end of the whole series, March is very significant. Okay. Of when this all started. It's it's my son's birth month. Okay, because it's no secret if you're watching my channel that I'm a mom now, right? But a lot of stuff had to happen, ladies, mindset wise and body. So he told me that I had to have surgery. And I said, surgery for what? And he was like, oh, shoot, probably cursed. Went into the system and realized that he thought the other nurse had called me yesterday or earlier today. I said, nope. So he was like, let me send him a message. So the other nurse called me and she says, oh, We got the results back. I said, well, why do I have to have surgery? She said, it's recommended that you talk to the surgeon because you have what's called a septated uterus. What the fuck is that? What is a septated uterus? So what do we do, people? We go to WebMD. We go to Images. They have three different types of septated uterus. But the bottom line is your uterus is not whole in a circle, which also means that you may not be able to hold a child full term if you're even able to get pregnant. And there's an 80% chance likelihood that you'll have a miscarriage. Well, who the hell want to hear that when you in your thirties, you've been waiting to choose when to get pregnant. You're about to get married and throw this elaborate Hollywood wedding. Who wants to hear that? I got to have surgery because they got to fix a birth part that was not created correctly right? So you can only imagine the toll that it took on me emotionally, immediately crying profusely after I've already started this next chapter in my life. Okay. So my uh, fiance at the time, he didn't know how to respond, but he comforted me as best as he could. We really focused on spirituality. Okay. So it created a path for us to have to have conversations. Okay. So with all that information, I want to end here. This is a good part to end because I don't want to interrupt the rest of the next part. That's going to drop in part three, because in the next part, I'm going to talk to you about how do you plan or continue to go through this big ass wedding in Hollywood, California with 180 people coming. And you got to show up with a smile on your face, get all dialed up, and have to decide if you even want to share with people, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have kids unless I choose to have surgery. And even with that, nothing is guaranteed. So if this episode has triggered you in any way, in a way to go to the doctor, in a way to think about yourself or a family friend um, or a loved one that you know has been through some process of being told not great news about the possibility of getting pregnant or holding a child, right? I want you to reach out to that person, check in on them. But also, if this episode has in any way, and I say episode and video simultaneously because it's a podcast too, but if this has, pulled something out of you in any particular way, like talk to me in the chat box. Now, let me give a disclaimer. I'm not your therapist in the chat box, okay? But right now I'm showing up as a woman. But I will say that I'm very grateful for my psychology background and my mindset because that is what pulled me together. Okay, please make sure that you subscribe um, to my channel and like this video. But comment below. I would love to have a conversation with you and to tap into my community to see who's tuning in. So I will see you in part three so that we can get all the way down to see how your girl pulled together this wedding and what I did about this surgery. All right. Bye. dot com.